I'm going to challenge our listeners on Facebook or through Messenger or all the other ways in which you can contact us. Let us know where you're listening to this podcast right now. The reason being is I want to create a pie chart as to see where everybody is when they listen to us. I was at a wedding and was introduced to somebody that is one of our listeners. I'm not going to name. Okay. You're James. I listen to you on the podcast. Which was a very severe moment for me. But it was. <laughs> because I've not had that happen before. So, yeah, it was quite funny. But in amongst the conversations, I found out that one of our listeners listens to us in the bar. Ah, okay. I see. So you're sitting at the tap end this, this time. I'm not sitting there. I, always, I can't stand sitting with my taps in my back. Well, you don't record in the bath. No, we're not recording in the bath. We're just with our listener in the bar, passing him the rubber duck every now and again when he looks bored. Dangerous to listen using electronic devices in the bath. It's not something that we would recommend. Well, I, I would assume. We, I didn't clarify the matter whether there was any electric calls in the water. But uh, so, yeah, so there you go. We, we've got one listener listening to in the bath, one listener's next to his wife in bed, one when he walks the dog. Yeah, one when uh, she does the gardening. Yeah. So, yeah, let us know. Okay. And see, and see where most of our listeners listen to us. When I was having the conversation with them, uh, I just said to him, I said, uh, I won't tell Malcolm, but when we do it, next record, we'll, I'll mention it. And I just wait for the sound effects to come out because Malcolm will have a right giggle with that. I can make it sound like we're in the bath, but that'll help. (laughs) What, that squeaking noise, chasing the soap? Yeah, wearing the soap. Mm -hmm. That's something else. That's a joke about two nuns. (laughs) First rude joke I ever knew. Right, are you ready? I'm ready. Welcome or welcome back. I'm James Skiffins. And I am Malcolm Childs. And we are just making conversation. Where we discuss the model making hobby that brings us sheer joy and utter despair in equal measures. From petty officers to petty squabbles and everything in between, we are going to be just making conversation. Remember, there are other podcasts that you can listen to. Plastic Model Mojo. Let's get our model podcast. Plastic Posse Podcast. On the Bench. Model Geeks. Sprue Cutters Unions. Ooh, subjects. Built Sideways. Model Biker Poden. The Micro Machines Podcast. Am Show Podcast. And Modeling Insanity Podcast. Just head to modelpodcasts.com. If you've enjoyed this ramble of words, you can show your appreciation for free by leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcast provider. We've stopped using Buy Me A Coffee for now. However, if you still want to show your appreciation with some coin, it is easy. Click over to paypal.me forward slash podcast JMC. In this episode, we will be just making conversation with Paul Tyre from Keycraft and talking about large scale model boats. Making model ships is a mystical part of the hobby, but we all have a fascination with these large monsters. Could it be just the subject itself that makes us go all to sea? 
when is the best time to go overboard and at what scale? Where do you begin? Why don't we take some time and speak to someone that has the passion and ask those all important questions before we get our feet wet? I met Jeff. You did? I did. I met Jeff from the paint me from the thingy. He said, I'm the Jeff, which is fun. Because I remember the Jeff from the Lego movie. Do you remember the cat? Mm -hmm. It was called Jeff. I had a lovely conversation with him. He really appreciates the podcast. So hello, Jeff. Hope you're listening. Hello, Jeff. Where are you listening from? You met someone as well. I did. I, I met two. Yeah, well, hello to both of you. You look very dapper in your in your uh, suits. So we need to record this podcast then. What's going on in the world of James? Let's let's start there. What's going on with me? Well, to be honest, uh, I've actually managed to do a bit of model making, would you believe? I have been busy testing out the outlaw paints on some kits. A couple yeah. of 172nd uh, kits that I've got. One was uh, the English Electric Lightning, and the other one was the Grumman Duck. But I also managed to take off the shelf of Doom, if you like, uh, a 148 uh, Spitfire Mark 22, which was just waiting for paint, which was very fortunate. So... Two out of the three are basically complete now, which is lovely. A little bit of time on the bench is always welcome. The yeah. duck is sitting over there half naked, all its feathers <laughs> taken out, and um, I've just got to put them back in the right order. So, yeah, not far off from there. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. much all I've been doing, really. Um, busy working yeah. and uh, some other bits and pieces that I've got on the go. Um, but can't really talk about them. Why not? You can talk about them. Because there's a bit of a secret squirrel couple of them. Uh, I may well be doing a um, a YouTube. Woohoo! At last. So there's that. And then obviously, as we've done that, woohoo! Moose Roo Cup. The Moose Roo Cup. Let's talk about the Moose Roo Cup. Boom! Woohoo! Uh, there's the Moose Roo build, uh, which we, we did the unboxing for. Um, and it's the, the lovely ICM Ural 4320. Yes military truck and um mm -hmm. i don't know what happened I, I i'm wondering whether the container ship broke loose one of the containers and, and and set free lots of model kits because lots of people suddenly got them yeah well i i did because i um when it was revealed i thought oh that's a small kit oh, not many bits it can't be that much uh, money must be relatively cheap so I went on to my favourite model shop online and I purchased exactly the same kit for 15 quid. So I've got one too. Mm, yes. In the meantime, because you did that live without everybody knowing, and in the meantime, about half a dozen other people have done exactly the same. Yeah, so there's a group build within a group build within a group build, which is quite interesting. Yeah, I think it's a nice show of community spirit. Yes, I, I thank everybody very much for their, uh, their support. We've had a very small conversation about what the options might be, what we could potentially do. But yeah, it could be interesting. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I was um, taken aback, I must admit. <laughs> well, we thought it was a ship, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. I think that might be me hoping it was a ship. <laughs> you got a secret ship, ship love. Well, to me, it seemed like a, a logical thing, given the fact that lots of these model kits will be winging its way across the oceans. Yeah. But no, it wasn't. But that's okay. That's cool. It's it's a nice little model. Yep. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it yet. I still haven't made my mind up. It is really nice. Yeah. Looking at the plastic is a lovely little thing. Mm. Lots of potential for lots of scratch building, other bits and pieces. The only rule is that you have to make it look like the thing that it's supposed to be. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's, it, so you can, you can add whatever you want to it. 
um, stowage or or whatever. It does say conversions in the destructions. Mm. Um, however, I do need to clarify with the head Musharu judge as to what conversions are allowed because I found lots of different conversions, but then it does change the number of the vehicle. So I'm a little bit conscious of that because obviously I don't want to be disqualified. Hmm. But I don't think it's going to matter. if, As long as it looks like the truck, i.e. the front looks like the front, yeah. um, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah I've, got, I've just got to clarify that a little bit. But um, I've got a couple of options that I'm toying with. Okay. And it will be something a little bit unusual, which is um, pretty much my normal thing. Okay. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. That's that's pretty cool. What's the name of the uh, Facebook page that's been started? The Facebook page is so complicated. It is the Musaru Cup. That's all it's called. Okay, it's a, it's a group that started by On the Bench, I believe. On the Bench, yeah, yeah, and they're building that, and then other podcasters have joined that uh, with their, as far as I know, it's a public thing, and it is. Let anyone join. I joined. So they must let anybody in. Yeah, no, it's it's a public group. And what some of the non-participants of the Musaru build have suggested is that they build something alongside everyone else. So it's become a group build. I think I right in remembering. I don't think actually any anything has been chosen as such. But I would I would assume yeah. a subject matter that's around the same sort of area where this particular one's come from. So Ukraine, stroke Russia, stroke. Well, I, I think it would make sense to build the same the same kit if you can help get hold of one. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's really good because you know the community are are behind everybody. I mean, obviously, a few friends and stuff have shown their support towards me, but not just towards me, but towards all the podcasters that are involved. And I know a couple of them have started already. Wow, cool. Anything else on the bench? The only thing that's on the bench that's not quite finished is my tart build. Yes, I have actually managed to do a tart build. Oh. That is is done to the point where I've just got to weather the tarp and make sure it looks right. Uh, it does have a figure on there as well. Um, a tree. Ooh. Tree's done. The base is done. Uh, it's just the figure and the tarp that needs a little bit of um, petling, I think would be the right phrase. Um, if you haven't seen it, it is a stack, a big stack of jerry cans with a tarp over it. The tarp is purposely made to look worn uh, and well used. Uh, it has a nice little tree that hangs over it to give a bit of shade. And uh, someone's standing there scratching their head going, who put all this stuff under this tarp? What's the point of this group build? What idiot come up with that idea? <laughs> that's pretty much done. So that's good. I have got another build for the tarp group build mm -hmm. that will surprise everybody at Telford. Well, surprise us because you'll get it finished, you mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> the other one I will keep under wraps, under the tarp. Oh... Good, good, good. How about yourself? What's on your bench? What have you been up to? I haven't got any plans to do any more tarp builds. I've gone done my one and done that one completed. I did notice, talking about tarp builds, a Romanian entry. Mm -hmm. Our friend Ron, who's out in Romania currently, uh, he um, was at a model show and he saw a tarp. Hopefully I'll put that up on the tarp build Facebook page. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. That was quite cool. The Romanian tarp. Um, what have I been up to? I finished my hand solo that I was working on. Um, I'm looking around for him, but he's not actually in here. He's in the he's in my lounge. Oh, but he's been painted. He's 18 inches tall from root to tip, which is massive. Um, and he'll be going on eBay because I, I haven't got anywhere to store him at all. Oh, if you can complain, go buy him. <laughs> <laughs> then also, I've started my space shuttle and 747 build. Have you? Yes. So it's here. 
Oh my goodness. See? The idea is that I'm going to be building it with the shuttle sat on top of the Sinful 7, like they did, uh-huh. because I saw the shuttle and the um, 747 land at Stansted in the UK in 1983. Mm. And I believe you were there too. I was, yeah. We didn't know each other then, did we? No. The kit has got loads of raised panel lines. That I'm not going to bother with changing any of that. That's just the way it is. Um, it's going to be on a base and it's going to be on, you know, exactly how it was when landed. So it's going to be loads of 80s people walking around underneath it. Um, that's the plan. So I'm just starting to build that, slowly work my way through it. It's going to be good. It's going to look great. So I'm doing that. Um, what else am I working on? That's it currently. And that's my only project. That's it. We need to read out a message. Yes, we did have some messages. You're right. Ken Reed on Facebook uh, during the during the Mooseroo Cup reveal that we did. He said, hey, guys, Ken from the Amshow Plastic Modeling Podcast. Oh, he said, I absolutely love the shows from Tuttle in Oklahoma. I am excited about this reveal, says Ken. Welcome, Ken. Yes. Um, Amshow is a new plastic modeling podcast that you can go and listen to. Yeah, thanks for joining us. It was fun, actually, I must admit. It wasn't what I was expecting, and the reaction was um, from everybody was, I think, pretty much the same. So It's fun. We should do more of those pop-up lives. We should, yeah. Just whack them up. We are changing your way that you can make donations to us if you wish to. Buy me a, a, a coffee. Do not associate themselves with PayPal anymore. So setting up accounts and other bits and pieces has been a bit traumatic. It's been fine for me. I've just been watching you. Yeah, so we're, we're trying to find some easier ways in which we can provide that ability to you. And for, for the time being, we, we're going to use PayPal. We have actually also changed the way in which we record our podcasts slightly. Yes. In that the, the people that we were using previously have changed the policies and different bits and pieces. Uh, and unfortunately, it's no longer viable to use them. So uh, we are using Zoom for now. Yes. Which uh, hopefully will be good. Um, if you notice any difference in the quality, I'm sure you won't because Malcolm will be all over that anyway. Let us know, good or bad. Malcolm spends a lot of time on, on the editing anyway, so I'm sure it'll be fine. And you probably won't even notice it. 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 Well, yeah, so we've had some had some things in which we've had to adapt to. Do you know what I'm thinking? As, as we're discussing the quality, I'm just going to downgrade the quality of just this little bit so it sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> On purpose. Normally it's like this. Yeah. <laughs> we just need to introduce and talk uh, to Paul. He's stuck in the green room. It's not really a green room. It's a green tent. So we should let him out. A bit more like a green cubicle with blue water. Without any life rafts or life belts. Yeah, I think you may have guessed we're going to be talking about all things ships. So we have a special guest with us today. Hi, thank you very much for inviting me. Welcome. Um, James and I have never built a ship, so we're really looking forward to talking to you. So it's an interesting subject and it's uh, quite a complex subject, but it's it's good fun. Why don't you tell us um, what you are doing and uh, where you come from and why you might be good to talk to on this podcast? Uh, right. Well, I come from originally Kent, but I'm actually living in Orkney, which is or was the home of the Royal Navy for the First and Second World War. I have a lot of interest in sort of engineering, hence why I'm sort of much more on the side of the ships because of the engineering side of it. 
started off in the 19, 1970s building plastic kits, collecting cereal carton tops, as you did in them days, for collecting models. Oh, well, yeah, that's right. You used to get them in cereals, didn't you? That's right, yeah. Yeah, and you sort of come home from school, and there was the envelope sitting there with the model in it, and it was like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> that's my week's worth of modelling, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've just grown from there, really. I've still got masses of aircraft and tanks I still enjoy doing. It's the large-scale models that I really enjoy, you know, sort of things like the Royal Oak and the Hampshire that I've done that are at least a metre long, if not bigger. Yeah, well, we're going to be putting pictures up of those. Ooh. Um, they're amazing. So is there a particular scale of ship that is important to you, or or do you need to know how, what, what you're building? Or it, it, It's a combination, really. I mean... Let's say you came to me and said, I'd like a replica of a specific battleship. It'll be then a case of what sort of size do you want? Have you got space to put a large model? Um, because the Royal Oak is a metre and a half long, and that's at 1 to 128 scale. Oh, right. But the Yamato, the Japanese battleship, at 96 scale is four metres long. Yeah. It's a monster. And are these scratch built no um you can actually buy what they call a semi kit basically that's a fiberglass hull the running gear which is propellers the rudders etc and then a basic fittings kit so you'll have like your guns your your lifeboats things like that but not the superstructure and deck in a lot of cases because most of these are designed as radio controlled vessels so people will actually scratch build the superstructure to what they need because you've got to take it apart, put batteries in, radio gear, turn things on and off. And with the likes of sort of the Yamato, because it's so big, when you put all the ballast in, it takes about four of you to lift it. Oh. So you can imagine trying to put that in and out of the water. It's not yeah. not your everyday yeah. <laughs> sort of half-ton mm. type boat. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So but maybe we should rewind a bit, actually. So you're, you're a professional model maker. You make your your living from putting plastic together, and your focus is ships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the that's the main focus. Um, I've done a lot of commission work for other people. You know, I've had building contractors come to me want a, a building complex, new housing complex laid out for them. Um, I've done sort of other projects for local uh, archaeological sites up here, where they wanted actual yeah. sites you know, re restored and done. So, yeah, I do everything, basically. But my main focus is the engineering of the ships. I've, I've just taken a squeaky, a, a squeaky, <laughs> a cheeky screenshot. And looking behind you, you have a a lot of equipment, uh, very interesting things, and, and things that probably the normal model maker doesn't have. So what, what sort of things do you have in your workshop that we probably don't? Well, I've got a handful of 3D printers because, obviously... If you're doing small work and a lot of it for like the for instance the french battleships got 40 anti-aircraft gun that are identical and so if you're going to make those up from scratch you want to be able to do it identically and quickly but i've got laser cutters i've got casting equipment and general sort of modeling equipment as well directly behind me is a, a laser cutter um i could put a front door in it put it that way it's, it's big enough to slide the front door in it's huge yeah it is huge yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, on, and on top of it, if I move to one side, one and a half metre long, 124 scale, fast patrol ship. Gosh, 
and that was used by the Trinidad and Tobago Coast Guard in 1969, 1970s. Good Lord. Is that a commission build? No, that's my own one I'm doing for myself. Finally getting around to doing one for me. <laughs> oh, well done. Yeah, good for you. Well, I guess you kind of have to keep that up, don't you? You have to keep building something for yourself occasionally. I've got a goal to have it finished by September next year because I'm chair of the local model club up here in Orkney. It's our model exhibition next September next year. We have it every two years, basically. So that's my target to get it finished for that. Well, talking about model shows, do you, do you get out into the big mainland and visit any shows at all? I do occasionally. It's quite often two flights or uh, a ferry and a flight or <laughs> vice versa, you know. So it's not an everyday sort of thing. For a trip to London is a three-day round trip for me. You, you live just north of London. It takes about that long for you to get anywhere. Oh, yeah. To be honest, it takes me about three days to get into the centre of London. Definitely. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually quicker to go to Norway. I can get to Bergen quicker than I can get to London. <laughs> Are there any model shows on in mainland Europe that you could attend? Probably. I've never really sort of looked into, because Berlin's got a massive naval model museum there, mm. which I'd like to go to. And there's a couple of others museums I've seen that follow me that I'd like to go to. But again, it's actually sort of working out the logistics of it and the expenditure. When you, Going back a bit, when you were younger, you know, past the cereal box stage of model kits, um, were you focused on the... On the the ship side of things or was it just anything that that went or or were you honing into that quite early on i started off with aircraft because my grandfather fought in the first world war and then he was air warden a fire warden at biggin hill airfield oh wow it was sort of more the aircraft side of it to start with because it, also his garden and his house overlooked the airfield so of course when they had the air shows back in the, those days he used to sit in the back garden and watch them you know the spitfires the hurricanes and Vulcan and all the rest of it. But no, I, I, I've always been interested in engineering, sort of aircraft, mainly as I was growing up. Mm. I've done the odd plastic kit ship, sort of the, the battleships. We moved to Orkney and I, I thought, I'm going to have a go at some of the bigger stuff because I've got the space to do it. It's sort of taken over from there. I've had commissions. Um, I'm just doing a quote at the moment for a large commission for a a Spanish gallery that want one to go on a world tour exhibition. And that's another four metre long ship, but that's going to take about three people to help me with that one because it's a complex internal workings, lighting the whole lot as well. So it's, it's, it's quite a complex thing. Wow. Building on what you just said, all those elements that you are uh, able to do yourself, or have you got to do, for example, the, light, the lightning is not something you're overly great with. And there's someone that you use for that. A lot of it I can do myself because I've done variations of it, but it's sometimes you need extra pairs of hands into just to help out with the larger stuff, you know, especially when you're mm. like, for instance, if I did the Titanic, you've got to do all the plating on the hull to give it the right feel. So that takes probably six months to do well, a ship that's about three meters long, just to do all the plating and get the hull finished. I love doing things like that. It's a little challenge. That's why I look at it. So, so you have all the all the skills for that that build. That's that's a lot of knowledge. I I wouldn't say I have all the skills, but I have enough ability to sort of work around any of my shortcomings. You know, one way or another. Bit of YouTube okay, videos yeah. here and there, and looking at some of your followers and what they're doing and things like that. So, it's, I suppose now nearly sixty, I've I've sort of got to learn a few skills. Yeah, yeah. You, you pick up skills as you go along, don't you? Yeah. Out of the 
the large scale model you're building is there a particular part in which you enjoy the most i think a lot of it is the research because like the royal oak for instance that took about two months research because mm-hmm. the specifications were we needed to make her look as she was just before she was attacked by the submarine here in scapa flow mm-hmm. so i needed to research what aircraft she had on if she did and all, all of the rest of the, the information. And I know that was great fun doing that. It gives you a lot of knowledge about the vessel. It also helps you understand more about what you need to do to achieve that because it, you're, you're getting lots of photographs, you're getting a lot of information. And lucky enough, because I've got friends in the Navy that are quite high up, they will help me find information. You know, like when I did HMS Hampshire for the Battle of Jutland event in 2016. Well, I made the Hampshire for that event. Lucky enough, the the Wargraves Committee I got involved with, they were able to find me out the colour specifications for the hull because First World War, there's less documentation there is in the Second World War. Because some of the drawings where shipyards are closed, Mm. the drawings have moved from one place to another. And then some have got destroyed over the years because a lot of the drawings are done on a canvas-type material rather than a paper. Oh, okay. Right. So they stretch or they shrink. And when you scan something like that, they actually have to have them pinned out on a desk for about a week just to relax the material before they can actually digitally copy it. Gosh. So it's a hell of a process then. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a cheap either. No, no, but it isn't. I know that you're building your, you say it was a torpedo boat behind you. No, it's it's what they call fast patrol vessel. It, it's basically an offshore coast guard type vessel. And is that going to be a remote control? Yeah, two motors in it. It's got two sets of batteries, two speed controllers, so that we've got more control over it. It's going to have hopefully lighting and all the guns moving on it, rotating with the crew as well, sitting at the positions on the guns. Wow. Um, the radar is going to rotate as well. Is what the plan is. So. <laughs> All singing, all dancing. Well, sort of, yeah. <laughs> is there somewhere local that you could then put it out on the lake and, and drive it around, or is that not something you're going to do? Well, I don't, I don't, tell us about the, the hobby of remote control shipbuilding, because I'm, I'm sure, sure there's a lot of money and time gone into these things, and the last thing you need to do is be pulling out the bottom of a of scupper flow. They don't really like salt water. <laughs> That's the problem. Um, lucky enough, we've got a proper boating lake up here. There is a yacht club up here that sail small yachts and so forth in it and they race them against people from mainland scotland they come up and or they go down and vice versa so i'm going to run it on there but the idea is really just to build it as a showpiece but with the ability to actually run it as well as and when it's not too windy up here shall we say <laughs> yeah i can imagine that's that that can be a bit of a, a headache have you got items now that you can go and run on the lake or or is that you're going to be your first one this is actually going to be my first remote control version i've done numerous static models mm. but this is the first re- remote control one for me what about uh rural railways because i know that you've done some railway work in the past is that something that you've always been interested in since you're uh, eating cereal or is that a long-time passion what's that tell me about your railway interest yeah i mean that that's sort of been on and off for many years but the funny thing was we when we moved to me we bought a house didn't go in the loft because there was no loft ladder. So the surveyor just stuck his head up there and went, yeah, fine, no problem, blah, blah, blah. Here's the key sort of thing. 
I got up in the loft and found a 30-foot railway up in the loft. Oh, my God. Have you seen the film Beetlejuice? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in, in the middle of exploring that. <laughs> yeah, so it, 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 it's, it turned up and we didn't know it was there and I'm just gradually restoring it. And that's sort of part of the way how I got the business set up because that sort of spurred me on to do more. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> so this this thirty uh, foot railway, did it have it all the uh, all the bells and whistles, or was it just the layout? Basically, the gentleman that built it passed away eight years before we bought the property, and unfortunately, the rolling stock was all sold off. But the baseboard and all the tracks there, so I've ripped all the track mm. up and I gradually replaced it with new because it was starting to age and so on. Mm. Just gradually rebuilding it. It's, it's it's good fun. And it's all going to be digital with a computer control system on it. So it'll make it a little bit easier to control. Uh, lots of engines flying around with smoke coming out of it and, and all, all the bells and whistles in, I guess. Not so much the smoke because they're N-gauge, so they're half the size of the like the Hornby-style locos. But, yeah, we can still get a lot of operation on it. Um, but that's a little side project. <laughs> <laughs> a little side project. Wow. Um, are you going to put any ships on that? Any uh, any docks or anything like that? There will be a little harbour because when it was designed, he had designed a, a section to have a harbour in it. Oh, okay. So I want to try and do that as well because he hand-painted all the backdrops and they're absolutely beautiful artwork. So I'm gradually cleaning them and restoring them and then lacquering them so they're protected. Because mm. all hand-painted, northwest of England and Scottish border type. Mm-hmm. Regent and and they're really nice. So it's just trying to restore them all at the moment. So you sound as if it, it, this is this is a, not just a, a project, it's a passion, but it's it's also it, it feels like he's handed you the torch without you meaning to. Is that that how you feel about that project? Yeah, because John passed away before he completed the layout. Anyway, mm. there was a section that he had laid out the track, but never actually finished. It turns out one of our friends, it was a hotel that we used to stay at when we first started coming up here. It was mm-hmm. This is his sister's house. Oh, wow. And we didn't know that. So everyone loved this particular guy that built the railway, John. And yeah, so part of me wants to sort of finish off what he started in between doing everything else I do. Hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I mean, I, th- I think I would feel the same. I'd feel a, um, a, certainly a, an element of need to ensure that it was finished for him. And to honour him, if you like, especially mm. the character he sounds he was. The, the only downside to that, of course, is that you're going to have lots of people, locals, trundling up and down in your loft, I guess. Yeah, we've already had quite a few say, <laughs> oh, is the railway still there? <laughs> but I don't mind that. That's <laughs> brilliant. But it's the same when I do a ship, you know, like the Royal Oak, because there was so many people lost. Mm. It's the same thing. You sort of want to put that little extra energy into doing something, because it's a memorial piece in some respects yeah i I can i can understand that and and i should imagine that puts a quite a lot of pressure on you for those sort of builds as well because um you you want to make it right and you want to um honor those people that were lost so I, i can imagine that that's a great deal of pressure it is but it's also i i think of it as a bit more of an honor that i've been asked to do something like that Mm. Because, I mean, whenever I build a model, I don't think of it as, you know, what am I going to see at the end of it? I just want to do a model for the best I can for someone. If I see a young person look at that model and get excited over it, then that may be one new person that comes into the modelling hobby 
that's the most important thing carries on our hobby and our enjoyment. Mm. Um, I worked with Kathy on the Kathy Millet on the Great Model Railway Challenge, mm. and um, when I was doing bits for them, I was showing some of the children uh, a show afterwards what we did. The little faces lit up with excitement, and I thought if that excites just one person and they pick up a model kit, mm. you know, our hobby will hopefully continue. And that's that's the same with the model club. I do the same with that. I, I hopefully can help a few people grow their skills and maybe enjoy the hobby. And that's what it's about as far as I'm concerned. I think most modelers feel like that. In the years of their modelling, if they can inspire at least one person, pick up a kit, have a go, then, you know, the sense of achievement is enormous watching the show there was a lot of that that came through very very much through the, the program I, I i certainly got that from the show so well i was on the second uh, on the first series mm. and we were the track laying ninjas the one that did the uh east enders layout ah. and i actually did the tower block for it so any, anyone that's seen it will have seen the tower block and the um, manhole that went down through the baseboard and down to the floor, the longest, deepest manhole going. <laughs> <laughs> and what did Cathy think of those builds then? She, she was very good, and so was Steve, the editor of the Railway magazine. Obviously, TV has to be cut in such a way that it continually keeps you wanting to view it rather than showing the whole story. And we got told off because we had little action figures moving around our layout because it was on time-lapse, and we kept moving these figures about, and they went, but we haven't got bites to use those. We can't use it. <laughs> we had little characters that were each of us, so we just yeah. moved them around, you know. Oh, no. Intellectual property or something, were they? Yeah, basically. Uh... Little sticky bricks clipped together. <laughs> the Legos. <laughs> ah, yeah. Right, Legos. I think we can say that on here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, uh... yeah, we can, yeah. There are other bricks available. Yeah, send us a pallet of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work that way, does it? No. Nah. Because you mentioned about Scarpa Flow and yeah. the Royal Oak, and it was taken down by a submarine. So I was just interested if you had interest in submarines, and there's a, a naval base up that way. Yeah. So I wondered if you had an interest in submarines as well as the floaty ones. I I do have an interest in like U-47, because obviously that was the German one that got through, because the navigation skills that Preen had was phenomenal. He got caught in fishing nets at one point, so he had to reverse out and then come back through the same bit but without catching the fishing nets on the the second attempt oh gosh right so yeah it's, it's interesting but i've obviously i've never built one and to me it doesn't quite enthuse me as as a ship would but that's interesting actually because would that not provide you with your engineering side of things to the, the fascination of of how that would be put together this is like a really ignorant comment to make but would you consider that the, the engineering on something that doesn't go underwater to be less interesting? That makes sense. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. Um, I, th I think partly because it's underwater, you don't see much of it, and it, that's probably why I don't mm. enjoy it quite as much. But if you look for on you on like YouTube or something for mm. submarines. You have a look at some of the radio control ones because they actually got proper ballast tanks in, and they all fully functional uh, they are phenomenal and some of them even fire like torpedoes yeah i was just i was just gonna say that i, I it's not that long. i think about six months ago or so that i saw a video of uh of, of one firing torpedoes and stuff and and that was quite interesting actually how they were doing that wow well, i haven't seen that one i know i've seen I've seen someone build a submarine out of lego <laughs> yep. that's pretty cool if you had a side of a submarine open with all 
the viewing of all the the galley and the torpedo tubes and you know all the little guys moving around doing their thing would that would that be something that you might be interested in yeah i think ravel or someone they do a submarine like that and it's a, it's about three foot long as a model mm. yeah and it's a complete cutaway so you get everything including crew and everything inside and that's as a model would be a fantastic thing to build it wouldn't float though no <laughs> Well, it's still a float like that, wouldn't it? You couldn't have it opened up and have it remote control, could you? You couldn't have both. <laughs> so look, look we're, we're, we're learning. But they do make specific hulls for submarines that are designed for proper remote control, the running gear and everything else. It's, again, that's a completely different field to what I'm used to using. Because so. I would have thought the engineering, especially remote control-wise, would be very, very different to whatever you've done before. I, I can't even start to imagine what would be needed to do that but I can imagine it being incredibly complica- complex in putting something to that, like that together. I, I would have thought so because you, you're actually involved with water, you know, ballast to get the, the vessel to rise and fall through the water. But also I think you have to use, I think it's 27 megahertz transmitters because the modern 2.5 gigahertz stuff uh-huh. doesn't work underwater. So the radio signal drops off. Oh, from what I gather, I'm I'm not 100 certain, but no doubt one of your listeners will put a comment up going, "Well, yeah, you've got to do this, so you've got to do that," that which I can understand because I'm not conversant with that part. But we'll get letters. One thing I wanted to ask you was um, in relation to your detail uh, that you get on your boats, and you were saying earlier you mentioned you got some 3D printers. Can I just ask you what what sort of 3D printers do you use? A handful of resin ones, and they all set up with different resins. So I'll have a softer blend okay. for doing one type of work, but then I've got a harder blend for doing different type a different type of work. You know, maybe a gun barrel I want on a harder blend because I want to make moulds off of it, or it's a delicate part that's going to need a bit of strength to it. And then I've got FDM printers, which are your extruded plastic ones. Mm-hmm. If I'm making up generic parts that aren't going to be seen, but they're internal structures or mm. that you're going to coat over, but they're just there to give a, f- a frame for it. Different machines for different jobs, basically. The gun barrel, let's let's pick on that because you mentioned it. So would you more likely print one, make a mould and do the process that way, or would you do multiple barrels on the printers? Let's say it's a main gun for the Royal Oak, for instance. Mm-hmm. That would be a 15-inch gun, technically, about 125 to 150 mil long. I would print out a master, polish it all up, and then make a silicon mould from it, and then cast them in resin. Reason being is with the resins that come out of 3D printers, in some cases, they become brittle Mm. in the sunlight. In other cases, they warp. So what I do is I cast them. My little modeler's trick is to actually thread a rod of a brass rod or something in the barrel before the resin sets. Uh-huh. So then you've got the stiffness in it. Ah. But I'm trialling out another hollow barrel technique at the moment. So if you want a smoke generator and you want to send a puff of smoke out the end of the barrel, you can have your generators and you can have different effects with it. Oh, wow. That's cool. Like a smoke ring. Yeah. Yeah. Like you fire the shell and you get the smoke residue. So. Oh, Wow. I, I like that. Idea. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I can't even imagine how you do that. Would that you would do that with some sort of bellows? You don't do it with a fan, I assume. No, you, you use your smoke generator, and basically you can get it to to do a puff, and then it would just come out the barrel with a little puff of air behind it, just to force it through the barrel. Okay, so you need some sort of electronic knowledge as well, then. 
Yeah, there are kits available to, to do that with. Gosh, I've bought a um from one of the Chinese sites a little smoke generator thing. Well, not smoke. It was um, it's kind of generate steam, tiny particles of uh, atomizer. That's what atomizer. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, no, I little thought of that at the time. I thought we could have a Millennium Falcon that opens up its its its, its gangplank, and you can have the steam and the spray coming down. You know, that'd be quite fun. But I hadn't really thought that about setting it up so that you could make smoke rings coming out of ships. Is that a, is that a normal thing? Is that a thing that people do? If you go onto some of the the, the other builders' websites or YouTube, you'll find that there's people that have done that, and they're out actually on the water. And they're going along, and these puffs of smoke come out the barrel ends as if they've been shot. And they're also putting sound sound in some of them as well, so you get the the, the sound and then the smoke coming out. Yeah. And it, some of those look quite amazing, especially with the really big ships, you know. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, sound cards have, have become so small and easy to use in some respects. I mean, don't get me wrong. Give me a sound card, I couldn't do anything with it. But I've certainly seen them, and I've been astonished actually of what you can achieve in such a small space and and yeah you're right i I think the video i saw about the youtube the youtube the u-boat firing its torpedo i'm fairly certain the cruiser had smoke uh from the guns on on that particular video it is pretty cool i gotta be honest and this this is the funny part i mean we we've spoken about effects and stuff on on dioramas and all that stuff which is a static thing I think we're both in agreement that it sort of looks wrong um, to a point. But the the thought of remote-controlled um, vessels firing, making making the noises and uh, and the smokestacks smoking and all that sort of stuff, I'm, I'm liking that idea. If it's used sparingly, it can look really, really good. I mean, it, it's like how, how far do you go when, like, weathering a model, you know? Do you put on enough just to simulate it, or do you go? To me, I just like to add a little extra without it taking away the detail. Mm. It's like the Royal Oak, there's 120 stanchion pins on the rear deck. That's a Sunday afternoon's work just to put the pins in, you know, and then that's three layers of copper wire. I've got to go through those pins as well. So it mm. takes like half a day to do that. <laughs> but you put that mm. level of work in and you. Then you weather it, but you don't want to weather it too much to to lose that level of work that you put into it. So it's that fine balance. It's you want something, but not necessarily overpowering. Yeah, I think when we're talking about static models, I think things like that, something that's moving and flashing, and mm. you know, it doesn't work because you've, you're looking at yeah. a snapshot. You know, we talk about dioramas, looking at a snapshot in time. It would be cool to have a smoking chimney. I, I think also if you've got a diorama, let's say you've got some military figures around a, a, a fire then have a flickering fire effect with the figures there because that that with a little bit of delicacy you could actually have quite a nice effect because you could have the crew sitting around a fire mm. trying to keep warm but then you you wouldn't want to go to the extent of adding masses of detail on you know of lots more of effects on because you would lose that i think at the end of the day it's what you as a modeler want i just want to add a little bit Mm. just to enhance something rather than overpower it what would you so i know you said it uh sticking your sticking a brass rod up your tube to keep it stiff is a well i've said that out loud that sounds terrible <laughs> um, um is your is your tip have you got any other modeling tips for boat builders or anything that you think that perhaps people don't know 
now is your chance to let them know. I think if you're going to start with a large scale model ship is really do your research. Think about how much time you've got, how much financially you can afford to do because to buy a semi kit for like the Royal Oak for argument's sake, minimum you'll be looking as five to 600 pound. And that's before you have to buy your paints, your glues and all the superstructures and everything else. Hmm. And you're looking a year to maybe two years building time on, on that for the average person. And you need to think about what skills you've got as well, because it's not like getting a, a kit out, you know, the average Airfix or Ravel kit or whatever, where you've got everything. You've got to start thinking, well, I'm going to have to create that part absolutely from the drawings. Um, so, you, so you need to sort of ascertain if you've got the level of skills that you're comfortable doing it, or can you have someone to help you with it? Mm. But what I'm just about to start doing is half-hour consultations with people that are coming into the hobby that want to have a chat to see if they, they feel comfortable in doing so oh. and, and, and giving people half hour of my time to help them understand if they've got the abilities to do it. Because the last thing you want to do is spend five £600 out on a kit and then find out it's not really for me, especially this day and age. Does happen a lot. Yeah. People buy the biggest kit they can see on the shelf. Some hobby shops will quite happily sell you that, not ask you about your skill, and then uh, then wonder why they got bored with the hobby because they haven't started small and built their skills up. So that's, I like that idea. Because, I mean, if you're going to cut into a fiberglass hull, spend two or £300 on the hull maybe, and then you're going to cut holes in it, you need to make sure you're doing that right because mm. you've only got one chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If anyone, if anyone's listening, no one's listening. <laughs> no, I know no one's listening. Anyone that's interested in ships and fears ships, shall we say, as it's on their wish list, where would you suggest to start? It depends on really your ability. Is where I would say have a think about mm-hmm. what you can do. What sort of skills have you got? What can you deal deal with? Because, as I say, a semi kit is completely different to the average box that you could buy off from the shop. And talk to people like, for instance, other manufacturers, or even if they want a consultation with me, they can just drop me an email and we'll arrange a half-hour consultation. There's no charge. And I'll help them work out what is the best way forward. Because, for instance, the Yamato at four metres long, that's a real monster of a boat to put together. And I've got one client that mm. builds models on a regular basis, but he's even been on the phone to me about four times because he's hesitant to start it. Mm. But he's built 20 or 30 ships in his life. And and that's the thing. And I, I, I see this an awful lot with people that like um, ships. They like model ships. They, you know, they buy lots of kits and stuff. I've got the same scenario. I've got <laughs> different. I've got aircraft. I've got all sorts of models. And I'm scared to touch them. I don't want to muck them up. Am I ready for it? Can I Can I really do that yet? And that's sort of the question is, you know, I just, just scared to tip the toe in the water, for want of a better phrase. What a modeler needs to think about is look at the project and see how they can break it down into small manageable chunks. Your instruction manuals that you get in your plastic kits have done that for you. So if you can apply that process to your bigger scale models, potentially you, you've got a chance to succeed it. Talk to people at the model club, talk to your manufacturers, even if they want to arrange a time with me. Again, 
I've got no problem to do that. And we can sort of give them guidance to help them move forward. It's so disheartening to hear that someone started something but never finishes it. That happens a lot of times. People are trying to get into the hobby and, and haven't, like you say, haven't spoken to anyone before. And a lot of people in lockdown pull the kit out that they've had on top of their, their cupboard for many, many, many years, pull it down, then start working on it, and then put it back up there because it was either too hard or they, they got lost in what they were doing and they didn't know where to turn. Um, just become more frustrating than it is fun. The last thing you want to be in during lockdowns, frustrated. Good, some good tips there. So I'm going to ask one one last cheeky question. Go for it. At one of those moments, Malcolm, I'm so sorry, but I have a kit of uh, a 172nd Corvette. Uh, drink, drink. <laughs> one of the kits I've got has got no hull. What would be the best process to to make that hull? Would you make it as a whole hull? <laughs> So that makes sense. Or would you do? Would you break it down into the plates and build the superstructure inside it and and go really down down um, to the fine detail? Well, there's two ways of doing it. You could either get drawings and scratch build it, which there's plenty of drawings about that you could easily laser cut, get laser cut ribs, put the skin on and detail it. Mm-hmm. Or you could look at a supplier that makes fiberglass hulls. And get a fiberglass hull because they do them in 96 and 72 scale. So you could potentially look at going down that route, which if you want it for speed purposes, you know, for building, to get it done in a quick time, that that's your easiest route. I, I quite fancy doing the scratch build, if I'm honest. But my only hesitant, oh, well, Malcolm is not his head because, of course, it's, the, it's not the easiest way, James. What, what, what else do we all expect? Uh, but my, my concern is if I scratch build the hull, then I'm going to just go nuts and do the whole damn thing, aren't I? Yeah, what you could do is you could scratch build the hull and then use your components that you've got in the kit as a template if you're going to scratch build the rest of it. Mm. If you can get the ship's drawings for the the hull, it's so easy to make the ribs because you've already got the cross-sections and you'll also have all the positioning along the kill line already there on the drawings. So it's only a case of just put the kill line in and then start putting the, the cross-sections in those allocated slots and as long as it's kept 100 percent square you shouldn't have a problem mm. there you go. i'm booking that half hour consultation yeah what i mean what i mean go for it oh no what have i just done <laughs> <laughs> oh, i have a question um so you're talking about 96 scale um and you mentioned another scale that i'd not heard of before is are they typical model ship scales like in railways for instance you have ho and o and you know they kind of match up to a one in 76 scale for instance aircraft are one seventy second, 48 32nd cars are 124th and, and, and thereabouts and then armor is 135th is there a ship scale is there a do they ha- have a similar yeah you have 172 and 196 are your main scales <clears throat> which are your larger ones but 128 scale was was bought out because it was a, a nice size to put in your car if you want to take it to a boating lake. Ah, right. Ah, makes sense. So that was why it was designed that way because it's the majority of the models are about one and a half meters long, mm. and on a state car you can easily get that in or a pickup or whatever you can get that in quite easily. But you, the likes of the bigger scales, if you have hood, for instance. <clears throat> excuse me if you have hms hood 
in 96 scale, that's getting on towards three metres in length. So, you know, you, you are talking of big models and then you get all the logistics of getting it in and out of the water. You need a cradle to actually put it in and bring it out. Don't get me wrong. They look stunning models and they're great on the water. It's the logistics. And also, how many people have got houses big enough to store things like that? Oh, no, no, we don't. Um, oh, so, so, so it's a, a remote control thing and it's a, it's a, a logistics side size. That's the difficulty. There you go. Learn something new. And what about um tiny, tiny bits? When you drop your tiny, tiny parts and your little tiny stanchions and you know, little bits, is, have you got a, a tip for people for not dropping those on the floor? Because I imagine with all the tiny, <laughs> tiny bits, you are constantly wrestling that carpet monster. Have you got any? Because I noticed you've also got a grey floor with uh, you know grey yeah. plastic. That's not going to work. So. <laughs> what's, what's your tip? It's <laughs> It's a solid concrete floor that I've just painted with grey floor paint, basically. So a lot of cases, because I use a coloured resin, it stands out. Because I use a red or a, a, a coloured resin like that, so it stands out. But when it's stanchion pins, no. The floor monster eats it. <laughs> I can never find them. Um, the only thing is just to try and set up a some form of shelf edge to your bench. So if you drop it, it doesn't come actually off the edge of the bench. If you can, sure. Like That's really interesting. The, the the fact that you yeah. you've managed to defeat the carpet monster by removing the carpet, only to be replaced with the floor monster. <laughs> I love that. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the idea of having guttering on the edge of your your bench. Yes. Catch all the bits falling off, and then you could sweep it well, all into I mean, like a bucket, and then you'd have a bucket of bits. Well, that's the only way I could do it because. I've got quite a deep bench and obviously when you've got a large ship sitting on there, that model's quite ed close to the edge. So I just got a bit of plastic, L-shaped plastic, and I just stick it on the underside of the bench just enough. So if anything does bounce, it sort of catches on something before it falls off. Yeah. So <laughs> see anything I can do. Have you got another little L-shaped one on that as well, in case something drops off the first one and then you've got another, another little step for it to land onto <laughs> No, I just, just got just got the one, and the floor monster eats the rest. Okay. <laughs> to be honest, I like the I just, idea of doing it in red plastic. That's a good idea. Well, red. I just got this this vision of guttering along the bench yeah. edge. Yeah, guttering. Um, literally guttering, and uh, yeah, that would that would resolve spills. Um, you know, of all sorts, uh, liquid that's, or not. That's but, a great uh, idea. Yes. I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking. I just, I just. I just use a couple of sort of bench uh, clips, you know, big sort of um, spring clips, mm. you know, the, and, and just hold it there when I'm working. Mm. rest of the time, it's not there, but it's just there when I'm doing those delicate mm. bits. So one last question I want to ask you, actually, sorry, I'm going to jump in there. Um, now, I'm going to ask you this question because I'm actually looking on uh, one of your websites, um, and I noticed there's a very nice picture of you um, uh, sat at a bench, uh, with an air, uh, uh, um, uh, a booth for your airbrushing. Now, I know for yeah. a fact that what's in that picture, you can't get a large large scale model in that at all because it's the same as what I've got on my bench. So, what do you do? Have you got a bespoke um, booth, a large booth for your for your uh, your your boats, uh, ships? 
No, I actually make a temporary one up. I just hang some plastic up around the studio to actually do it, accommodate it, and then just set up an extractor fan to actually draw it out. But obviously I'm all masked up anyway. But um, it's it's difficult because if you've got a couple of metre long vessel, there isn't many spray booths big enough for it. No, no. (laughs) Um, That that would be um, an interesting engineering design in itself, just trying to make one of those, I should imagine. Uh, I don't know. I haven't got a clue how many how many fans you would need at all for that that space. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, okay. But it, it, the other thing is, it with some of the ships, you know, you need to put up to ten coats of paint on to get the right level of detail mm. on it. I did a, a tug for a client, and that had uh, fluorescent orange all the way around it, and that was ten coats of paint just to get the fluorescent orange to a right level, and to get it to look balanced all the way through. Wow. Absolutely brilliant. So where do people go if they want to get in contact with you, uh, Paul? Well, is there a website people should head to? Do you have an email address? The, the best thing is to go to the, the website, which is keycraft.uk. We can always put the link in, the live link in. That's the best way. There's a contact details and everything else there. And I say I'm more than happy to talk to anyone if they want some help with learning about starting a model like that. Hmm. Just let me know and we'll arrange a call. Okay. That's that's a really kind offer. Do you have a face a Facebook group? Yeah, it's uh, again, it's under Keycraft. It's uh, Keycraft underscore official. Only because there's a, a, a gift shop called Keycraft somewhere <laughs> in the country as well. Ah, gotcha. And that's not you. No. There's something different. All right, Paul. Thank you, um, James. Do you have any uh, final words, final questions? No, uh, I just. It's been so interesting. Um, and, and you know what? I think I will take you up. Probably not this year, but I will take you up on the, on that offer um, to discuss scratch building a whole. Uh, I think the challenge of that would be actually something that would, would, would float my boat. <laughs> ah, very good. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the, the good thing is, you know, we can discuss it. And then if need be, I can laser cut up all the cross sections and everything else for you if need be. So it's no problem. <laughs> for listeners james is making a happy face <laughs> clapping his hands um yeah, i'm just going to show you this this ball this is my this is the only ship i've ever built and it is the the, the toon version of the uss missouri yeah little tiny tiny beast i don't know if you've seen the toon tank uh the toon uh range before from meng no i haven't seen that one before but uh it's an interesting little model Oh, it's, it's they're the best. So they make um, all sorts of different ones uh, in this kind of squashed, cartoony style, um, and they're very easy to make. Very simple kits, you know. Um, I did a couple of extra details. I drilled out the barrels, and I lost a couple of pieces that should be on the top. So it looks a bit different. And they, they didn't come with a share that sat at the front, unfortunately. Um, we were with fishnets on, but she <laughs> <laughs> she must have been lost in the guttering, perhaps. But they're, yeah, they're really, really, really fun, um, uh, and really, you know, really easy to to put together. So maybe, maybe uh, between between builds, you could pick yourself up a Meng Tune um, uh, little kit. They're only like fifteen quid or so. There are all sorts of different ships you can do. Yeah, it looks yeah, fun. I think I might have to have a little go at that. <laughs> yeah. So, what while we're talking about things you can have a go at, um, obviously, you, as a listener, you'll be aware of the tarp build. Um, I would be very interested to see what a ship builder would make with a tarp. 
So it's a little a little challenge thrown out at you if you have the time at some point. Not a huge tarp. Well, it, no, it doesn't have to be. Well, I've got an Austin K5 resin kit, which is a desert version Ooh. from the Second World War, and that should have a tarp on it. So, yes, I'll uh, have a look at doing that. That'd be an interesting little project. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be doesn't have to be covering, does it? It can be rolled up and stored. So you could have a, a huge three meter long um, ship, and then as long as it's got like a little rolled up tarp on it somewhere, somewhere <laughs> it'll be perfectly. Look, look at the catapult on the Royal Oak. Oh, on that photo. Oh, that's got a tarp on the catapult on the rear gun. It has. I can fire you a couple of other images across anyway. That's no problem. Yeah, um, tarps, please. If you can find a picture <laughs> of a tarp on that, that'd be really good. Very fun. Just for the giggles in there, really. Uh, and the very serious build that is the tarp, obviously. Yes. Love a tarp. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Paul. That's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much for your time and your knowledge and sharing it with us. Um, I think it's important as modelers that we share our knowledge and our skills and what we've learned and what we've gained and and uh, spread the enthusiasm just for the the hobby in in general i really appreciate your time and sort of allowing me to come on and share some of the <laughs> interests that uh, are model making of ships and things hmm. do, do you listen to any other podcasts i've listened to a few here and there but it's mainly your ones that i've listened to that i've enjoyed because i think it's just the nice general informal chat about all sorts of modeling and that that's what's nice Cool. to hear different people's feed ideas and feedback really so yeah i just want to echo what what's already been said um thank you very much for spending some time with us the subject matter frightens me and enthralls me in equal measures but it's uh, it's been very informative and i just want to uh, re-emphasize the offer that you've made if anyone has a wish to get involved with the larger scale model boats take him up on on the offer that he's offering you because that 30 minutes would be massively informative for you and thank you on behalf of anyone that does that you're willing to take that time and trouble to have that chat so um yeah well done you and you answered the question correctly when you were asked about other podcasts so yeah double tick well done <laughs> extra hobnobs over there please <laughs> been a pleasure Shipbuilding can be one of those subjects we've mostly avoided due to not understanding the subject matter. But like all new things, we should give it a go. Maybe going big isn't for everyone. But if you're into your scratch building, then ships are very much an area in which research opens the door to a whole new world. Next time, we'll just be making conversation on other subjects relating to this daft hobby of ours. listening to Just Making Conversation with Malcolm Childs and James Giffins. Follow it's us really, on Facebook. What? It's really simple. It's just two colours. That's all it is. Just two colours. I know. I know. I can... <laughs> Do you know what? It's just got colour blindness and you've got word blindness and together we're just this pile of shit. Let's <laughs> do a podcast, is it? Follow us on Facebook, where we post photos, updates, and other nonsense. Find us on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and all the others. Let us know what you are just making and what your thoughts are on the conversation in this episode. 
Thank you to all the following supporters from buymeacoffee.com and any of the new people that may have used the paypal.me forward stroke podcast JMC. Johan Frentzen, Mike Beep Stucker, Mike Shelley, Mark, Harriet, Elliot, Creddy, Adam, Kieran, Trust the Lagune, Craig Nichols, Elliot, Robert Lane, Dean, Ivana, Bill, Mothercate, Callum from Micro Machines Podcast, Paint All the Minis, Peter, Brad, Warren, Tim, Black Rifle, John, Jim, Chuck, Mark, Rakawahi, Simon, the Jersey Gent, Steve, Lee, Costas, Mark, Ray, Neil, Twice, Mike, Robert, and Andrew, and Drew, and John, Mike, Jeff, Richard, Lynn, Gordon, and seven others. If you do show your support, leave your name, because then we can paint the roll of honour on the tail of the next episode. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from him. Oh, no, goodbye from me. I mean, goodbye. <laughs> I don't like that goodbye from him, goodbye from me business. It's plagiarism. It's what it is. Pure and simple. <laughs>